What are the struggles of being in an interracial relationship? How are you perceived by other people? Are there issues with family, culture, and stereotypes? We'll be tackling all this and more as we explore the world of Asian male, white female relationships on today's episode of Borderline Inappropriate with Merle. And Aria, you forgot to add me. I thought you were adding you. Oh, I know. Oh, I was I supposed to say both? Yeah, let's go again. Okay. With Merle and Aria. That's good. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm not wearing makeup on the podcast today. If you comment about my eye bags, I'll find you and I'll track you down. That's good. That's not the new, the new intro song, but it's applicable for today's episode. You look beautiful, though, sweetie. You really do. For people that are just listening to the audio podcast, imagine a radiant uh, earth angel right here <laughs> with no makeup. And uh, alongside her is a strapping young uh, Yakuza boss. <laughs> With uh, my with my my new uh, fresh cut. Uh, yeah, you I t- look beautiful. Yes, I told sweetie. her to go for a skin fade, make me look like a punk boy. Go like this. Oh, your little eye poop. Yeah. Ew, why do you have to call it that? Please don't call it that. Please, it's disgusting. What do you call it? Well, you know, like uh, just eye gunk or what, eye crust. Eye crust. Uh, in uh, I just call them uh, sleepers. Sleepers. Okay. What, what do you guys called. call people listening or watching? What do you call the well the gunk that? A cr- Sleepers a, are the best one I've ever A cruise in your eyes overnight. I poop. That is we, the we are taping this early in the morning, just so you know. That's why I have not, this is not that's late why. at night, and I haven't, <laughs> haven't spent the whole day out and about with uh, these sleepers in my eyes. I call it eye poop just because in Lao, my mom would call it kita, which is like literally eye poop. Well, maybe this is a good intro segue into the cultural differences of being in an interracial relationship or just, you know, uh, yeah, the, the differences of, you know, culture, language, etc. As we, uh, yeah, we tackle, well, the taboo notion of interracial relationships, obviously through the lens of being in an Asian male white female relationship as they are, as this is somewhat known as AMWF. You didn't know that that acronym stood for no. until recently. I actually didn't know it until you just said it just now. Yeah, that's. Oh, you didn't know. I thought I told you. Yes, AMWF is kind of like the acronym for, again, Asian male, white female. And of course, that, that acronym changes depending on, you know, the partners involved, the mm. genders, the races. Now, when you say that's the acronym for it, do you mean there's like a group, a Facebook group or like well, a, I'm sure a movement there are. No, or like uh, well, subreddit? There's, well, there are definitely subreddits. I actually feel some questions for today from uh, a couple of AMWF uh, subreddits. Uh, but also, yeah, I mean, like, it's just like uh, you can definitely find communities, groups. And I will say at some, uh, I'm sure you can find some fetish groups also out there, as you can with most things. Uh, but this is also applicable to, I think, you know, not just Asian male, white, female relationships, but it could be, uh, you know, I'm sure there's an acronym out there for Asian female white male relationships or black male white female. I was going to say, are those yeah. the only two ethnicities? No, no, no. Or? It's definitely used across the board. Obviously, I'm just speaking to AMWF relationships because right. that's what. But I'm saying, is that one like particularly popping off on subreddit or something? I don't, not that I know of. I can't oh, say okay. that. You I know, thought you were saying I, it was like a movement or something. No, I mean, it's just something. I think it's just a, it's like an umbrella term for people that. Or couples, I guess, that identify as being part of this. It's a chronically online term. It really is. Like, you know what? Uh, if I say to you, uh, M for F stands for uh, what that means? M for male for female? Yes. What does that mean, though? Sex for female from a man. From female? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, you know, you're, you're correct. Yeah, that's like you, you would use acronyms like that like on, on Craigslist. Craigslist got rid of its, like, I think, uh, hookup, like, section, essentially. And so, but Too many murders? I think you yeah, had that and just a lot of like just probably shady stuff happening. Um, not sex work being shady, but there's a lot of weird stuff happening. Sex trafficking. But yeah, probably lots. Maybe some sex trafficking stuff. Who knows? Uh, but that said, 
that was one of the acronyms used. Uh, you know, M, like M. For, that's that's like that they used to do that in the newspapers. Oh, did they? Did they use that acronym? That's how you're. That's how I know you're chronically online because these <laughs> things started in print. You realize that W uh, like M four F? You think? Yeah, like the so. like the personal section. Yeah, personal ads were a thing. I know that, but I don't think like acronyms like or F four F. I think so. You think so? Or M four M? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, well, I don't think people sure. were putting ads out for M four M in like major newspapers back in the day when you know maybe like in upon. a coded way. Oh, I'm sure there like, was. Yeah, yes, yeah, true. Mascots find. Mailmen. We're going off topic, but I'm curious now to know if, you know, back in the day, um, you know, like the queer community, when they were putting up, you know, uh, personal ads, personal ads on, in newspapers in print, they'd have to was maybe, coded? was there a code or like a hidden way of sending, you know, messages? Like the pineapple. Oh, the upside down pineapple for, for swingers. swingers. Yes, absolutely. Anyway. Anyways, if we're not talking about all that today, that's another time. That's interesting, though. It is very interesting. Uh, but today we are talking about interracial relationships, specifically from our experience being in an interracial relationship Specifically, it's weird. I say Asian male, white female, but I also, I'm using the acronym, but I'm also not a big, f- I don't know if I'm, a, it's not that I'm not a fan of it. I just feel like when I use the acronym, it feels like such a heavy identifier when I don't feel like that's something I want to identify a relationship only as, you know, it's like, oh, they're an AMWF, you know, relationship, mm. you know what I mean? Oh, it feels yeah. kind of weird. It feels like fetishy. Yeah. So I'm going to say that term, but I don't really, I'm not a big fan of that term. If that makes I mean, any it's sense. just, it is a fact, it's but a that's fact not that, how we identify a relationship. Exactly. It's like. Exactly. And I don't think we actually, we never identified. I didn't know what it was. Yeah, we never identify it as that. But I think just within the context of this conversation, it's well, just we good have, to talk that's about. a privilege. That's a privilege that we don't have to think about that on a regular basis. How so? Because we just think of ourselves as being in a relationship when in other parts of the world and different cultures, that would not be easy to walk down the street and be in that couple. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's actually a really good point. No, I actually didn't even think about that at all. I mean, it's a privilege, first of all, being in the U.S., but then also being in California, which is like one of the more liberal states mm-hmm. in the U.S., maybe the most liberal state in the U.S., possibly one of them anyway. So like, I mean, Los Angeles specifically, I guess. Yeah, it's like it's not abnormal here, whereas other parts of the country. I mean, even when we did our road trip together across the country oh, in yeah. an RV. Mm-hmm. We, there were parts of the Midwest and there were parts of the middle of the country where we were both like, you would tell me you felt a little uncomfortable. And I noticed we were turning heads, like going to restaurants and stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm not used to this. That is a good point. Yeah. I guess I kind of like, uh, have blinded myself to that a little bit. Maybe not, maybe subconsciously. So like, uh, yeah, I didn't register. But as you say, that makes complete sense that, you know, we are privileged to not to have the choice of not feeling like it's what identifies us. Right. Whereas uh, if we go somewhere very conservative, for example, that, you know, may frown upon this, this mixing of race, <laughs> they, uh, you know, that might be what they identify us as. Yeah. You know, um, they would be very probably angry with you. I wonder if they'd be more angry with you or me. Great question. If we were to go somewhere that was very, you know, kind of, yeah, like a racist, racist kind of town, like, I wonder if they'd be more upset with you for going outside your race or okay, basically if we went to like a white supremacist town and they saw us, I wonder if they'd be more upset with you for, you know, uh, bringing shame upon your race or something like that or me for having stolen one of theirs. (laughs) Well, honestly, if they're racist and ignorant and bigoted like that, they're probably also sexist. So they're probably like, Oh, she's dumb woman. She doesn't know what the hell she's doing. She fell into this relationship. She just needs Jesus. Yeah, no, that's probably right. And then they'd see you as like they, they, the kidnapper or something <laughs> of my yeah. dumb ass. Uh, funny. Well, not funny, actually. No, it's actually really morbid, more but you have to uh, laugh through the tears. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yes, uh, let's, let's as we always do, let's talk 
why is it taboo? So obviously it is taboo. Interracial relationships are taboo. Pretty simple, but why are interracial relationships taboo? Well, we've actually segued nicely into that. One, I think because there are like archaic patriarchal colonizer beliefs that are still withheld of like the pure white race that people mm -hmm. want to keep the bloodline as white as possible. I think that that's unavoidable. That's that's out there. That's an unfortunate part of white supremacy that still exists. Um, that's the first one that comes to mind to me, mm -hmm. just based off what we were just describing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think uh, going outside, you're absolutely right. And I think also going outside of that, again, it just goes back to tradi two traditional values, I think. Which I should say, but I feel like as a caveat, I should say that's also, that's not true. I don't want it to sound like, of course, yeah. you know, like I don't like, but when I even said the words pure white race, it's like, I don't like that coming out of my mouth. Yeah, I know. But that is a belief that many people unfortunately hold for sure. And so like the people with those views are like, oh, she's tainting the bloodline. So it's, uh, it's disturbing. But I think I want to challenge us and think outside of just like the, I guess, the easy answer of, OK, there are racists out there in the world. Mm -hmm. Let's talk more about like, I guess there might be even be people that might be progressive to an extent that find it just a little odd. Or oh. like, let's go like to Asia, for example, you know, you know, some Asian cultures find it odd if an Asian person, uh, an Asian man, for example, uh, dates outside of you know, I guess, a day as a white woman, for example. You had experience with that. I mean, for a while, when I first, I think my my three long, my three long-term relationships have been with white women. I have, date, I have dated not just white women, but my three long-term relationships have been with white women. And even prior to that, actually, no, I remember growing up, my grandmother, you know, who I was very close with, she would, uh, we would, you know, just talk as like, when I was, even when I was, a, when I was a kid, you know, I would talk about, oh, she's cute or this person's cute, whatever. And she'd always say, you know, oh, that that's fine. But, you know, hopefully, you know, you, you come back someday with a beautiful Lao bride or like a, a Lao wife. Um, or even I think she would have been happy at that time with just an Asian wife. Uh, but I mean, obviously, since then, her, you know, as she's gotten to know, you know, my, my partners of the years. Uh, even yourself included. Unfortunately, Merle never got a chance to meet her in, in person. person, but they did get to meet over like FaceTime and, and stuff like that. So sweet. She, she was, was like, so "Love sweet. you. You're so yeah. pretty." Yes, true. She was. And so she 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 definitely you know changed her tune over time once she realized she wasn't going to be able to force me to date you know what what she wanted. Not that I was ever opposed to you know marrying a Lao or Asian woman. It just so happened that that didn't happen at that time. Uh, but yeah, eventually you know she you know she changed her tune. But uh, there was that you know. Uh, uh, notion in her head uh, for a while, and I'm sure with a lot of other relatives, not so much my parents. My parents have been very, you know, accepting of the, they know better than to, <laughs> to meddle with <laughs> in what I want to do in life. What percentage of you, if you're being totally honest with yourself, feels like you were rebelling against that expectation? To That's a really good question. I don't, maybe it's subconsciously to a degree. It was never a choice. I know. I hate being told what to do. I, that I really do hate being told what to do. And I can, I can see it influencing it. Uh, a little bit, especially as a kid, as a teenager. Yeah. And I also grew up in Asia, so I didn't have any long-term, like, uh, I didn't have any girlfriends growing up until I moved out of Asia. When I grew up in Asia, you know, I was just surrounded by Asian women all the time. And so, obviously, I found many of them beautiful. I was attracted. But when I came to the U.S., you know, suddenly I was inundated by all these different, you know, ethnicities. Mm -hmm. Honestly, in a weird way, it's just the same way that sometimes... It can be a bit weird when, you know, Asians are exoticized here in the U.S. In a weird way, that was the same way when I came to the U.S. I'm like, oh, white, the, you know, all these white women, <laughs> you know? I don't know what my point is. Uh, my point is, yeah. It I, felt exotic to you. It felt exotic to me to be, you know, 
dating white women when I different. came. Different. It felt different when I came to the U.S. But to answer your question, yeah, I, I think subconsciously to a degree, if I'm ever feeling forced to do something, I definitely want to pivot the other way. Maybe a little bit out of like just like spite. Uh, and so I can see subconsciously to a degree me being like, okay, well, if people have this expectation of me in Asia to date an Asian woman, like, I, you know, I don't want to... It's not like I'm dating you out of spite. <laughs> I mean, I'm starting to wonder. <laughs> but, you know, I can see when I was a kid that playing a part in, in it, you know, for sure. Yeah, but you're still stubborn. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that's changed. That certainly hasn't changed. Yeah, so I think it's taboo in many ways, not just on the whole, like... Because obviously, like, people like my grandmother... She wasn't racist when she was saying, you know, or a white supremacist or an, I guess an Asian supremacist when she was saying she wanted me to date an Asian or Lao woman. There could be just more maybe they, for some of the older generations in Asia, they think, OK, we want our child, our grandchildren to bring home another Asian because maybe they'll be more aligned with values, even language to an extent. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, maybe some families in Asia, they're fearful, like a parent that doesn't speak English, for example, might be eh, a, a little wary or would prefer if their child brought home someone they could communicate with. World makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, right? So, I guess, and again, that doesn't come from a place of, like, prejudice or hatred or racism. But there are preferences. It could be just to be a, it could also just be a preference, I guess. So when their child, grandchild kind of dates outside their race, maybe, maybe it's not just, like, it's not ideal for them, but it doesn't have to be, like, It oh. feels so much less icky when it's not a white family doing it. Like, if you yeah. were to have a white family that was like, I'd really rather you date other white people because they just get it. And they speak the language. And do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. when white people do that, it's different. It And it is ickier by far. It's actually, it's much worse because of the history of colonization across the land. Mm -hmm. So, like, there could also be an element for people of color that are like, I don't want one of these fucking colonizing ass people in my family. I don't want to deal with their family. That's a really good point. I don't, You're like, right. You know, like they've already taken so much from us. Like I don't want to open the door. Maybe that one partner is cool, but what about their family? That's you are you you're always finding points that I'm very impressed by that I actually I should be the one thinking of them <laughs> as you know my country was the victim of colonization but here you are I appreciate it bringing up points that I didn't think about but you're right that's actually a really good point and I guess maybe the older generations were obviously more directly affected by colonization war potentially yeah not even potentially like in the case of Laos you know Laos was is the most bombed country of all time because of the U.S. the U.S. bombed the shit out of Laos. There are still active mines in the country because of this uh, this war, which that's its own topic. But my point is that was in the 60s. That was during the Vietnam War. So I'm sure, I'm not, I'm sure I have relatives, extended family that, you know, were affected by, you know, and, and countrymen, I guess, and country women, mm -hmm. country people who were affected and continue to be affected by, you know, the effects of Western imperialism and colonization. And so to your point, yeah, like I can see why, some cult some cultures, you know, might be like, what? Don't be bringing a colonizer into the home. I mean, and that's, to me, the most direct reason why the all lives matter argument is bullshit. Because when people say like, you know, because I'm sure there's going to be racists that watch this that are like, oh, what are you talking about? That's a double standard. Like people of color are allowed to like be prejudiced against white people, but white people aren't allowed to be prejudiced against people of color. It's like, yeah, actually, to an extent, like, it makes sense to me that they might have trauma or PTSD or, you know, might have some history or just gut feeling. When you're the one who's the oppressor and you come from a generation in history of oppressors, 
You have amends to make, and yeah, you have to be a little more understanding. So I have some statistics here. So this is actually broadly speaking when it comes to interracial marriages in general. So from a 2010 Pew Research survey, among all newlyweds, interracial pairings were primarily white, Hispanic, 43.3% of them being that, 14.4% of them were white, Asian, 11.9% of them were white, black, and 30.4% of them were other combinations. However, there is a significant difference in the rates of interracial marriages among Asian American males and females. When it comes to Asian American white marriages, only 29% of them involved an Asian American male and a white female. How much? 29% of them. So basically when it comes to marriages involving an Asian American and a white person, only 29.9% of them involve the Asian being a male. I actually thought it would be lower. Oh, interesting. Because I think the fetishization of Asian females for white men is very well known. Yeah. And very high. And I don't know like anybody else that is a white female dating an Asian man. Like personally, I don't know. That's right. Actually, let me, let me think actually. Do I know of any Asian? I know of many Asian I know the women. Yeah, I know yeah. many Asian American women that are dating white men. Do I know any Asian American? I know one, maybe two. I know maybe two. It is interesting because I remember when I first got on dating apps, I remember seeing statistics showing that the people less likely to get swiped on to be matched with were Asian men and black women. Those are the, I guess, yeah, the least likely to get swiped. Uh, Wild. Right on, whatever direction it is when you yeah. want the person. And actually I found research here that backs that up. It says that black women and Asian men are much less likely than, than their same race counterparts, black men and Asian women, to be coupled with a different race why? partner. I mean, well, I genuinely wonder why. Like, that's crazy. What's really interesting here is a 2005, and this is 2005, so obviously times have changed. I'm sure this number has gone up, thankfully, but I don't know by how much. So that's just me being optimistic. But a 2005 Gallup poll found that 9% of all women compared to 28% of all men said that they had dated an Asian. So only 9% of all women polled uh, said that they had dated an Asian. Wow. I think it's because I think in the broad scheme of things, there's just like not a huge representation for Asian men in media in general. Actually. Yeah. And obviously, like I said, times have changed slightly since 2005. And I say slightly because while there has been a lot more increased representation for Asian men in Hollywood, for example, which I'm very thankful for, very grateful for, even like with K-pop, you know, uh, and the rise of, you know, these uh, idols, you know, making their way across the Western world. I still think there's still the, the change is probably still minimal, you know, but obviously any sort of progress is great, I think. And there is a separate conversation that we will have another time about the, about the fetishization of Asian men, because even if it's a very nominal, very minimal uh, increase, I guess, in representation, at the same time, fetishization does occur, but that's a separate episode. That said, I'm sure the number has gone up since then, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, to your point, I think historically speaking, and there's a lot of great video essays uh, about this and books written about it, uh, which we can share in the video description, but, you know, Asian men in particular have apart from some outliers uh, like your, you know, Bruce Lee's, they've been viewed in a submissive light in a, and have been portrayed in a negative manner. You go back to so many stereotypical like Asian male characters in, in pop culture, TV, film. And so, I mean, it, it makes sense that 
you know, Asian men. We were the le- probably the, the at that time the least fetishized, which is funny to the point I'm trying to make about there being a separate episode about the fetishization of Asian men. So it's interesting. We don't know very many Asian men dating white women. No. I mean, even one of your cousins is married to a, an Asian woman. Mm-hmm. Again, once again, another example of because I, I also I can't even I probably yeah I, I I can lose track of how many Asian women I know that are dating white men. Yeah, I but think when it comes to Asian men, dating it has women, a lot to do with. Too? I think it has a lot to do with representation in the media. Honestly, mm-hmm. I mean, you see all these white freaking savior roles in like all the Disney movies with all the white princes throughout the history of time, and then like. I mean, even the romance between, like, Pocahontas and John Smith is so gross when you think about it. Like, just a colonizer and, like, indigenous person. Kind of fucked up, but it's very romanticized. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Either way, I just don't feel like there's as much, there's not as much representation in the media with women ending up with, well, first of all, people of color in general, like white women ending up with people of color in general. Yeah, absolutely. And there is, of course, we have to acknowledge that there is increased representation. There are more mainstream Asian male uh, stars in Hollywood. I mean, of course, K-pop obviously bringing a wave of attention uh, across the West uh, to just the talents and beauty of uh, Asian men and, of course, Asian women. But we're obviously here just speaking about Asian men. And so, you know, that there is that increased representation, but... You know, uh, and of course, any sort of progress is great, but there's still a lot more room to, I think there's still a lot more room for growth for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. But I guess let's turn to one of the Reddit questions that they had. So I guess let's speak about us specifically. So I guess this is more for you. What are any preconceptions that you had about Asian male, white female relationships before getting into this one? Mm. Like when, when I first started courting you, you know, or we were hanging out, did you, did you ever have any concerns or thoughts about my race specifically? No, I didn't. I mean, if I did, maybe it was subconscious, but I I mean, I can't think of anything that was like a red flag to me. If anything, I thought you were just extremely romantic, but I didn't think of your race coming into play at all, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I believe that. I'm just curious. I mean, like I didn't think of the cultural differences. I didn't, which honestly might have been ignorant (laughs) now that I think about it. I didn't think about it. Only preconceived notions I ever had about, what is it? Asian male, white female, mm-hmm. was that Asian men made good boyfriends. Interesting. So that, what was that? Uh, I'm actually, And I don't know if that's I, racist to say. Well, that could be a stereotype that that's you've a stereo- heard. I guess that is a stereotype. That's not something that I've heard before, though. What, oh, really? Is, yeah, I mean. I mean. It, it, where, where did that come from? I'm curious. Honestly, it just came from the Asian men that I knew throughout my life. Everyone that I'd known had been really kind and caring and considerate and polite. And I wasn't totally used to that growing up around a lot of white men, to be honest with mm-hmm. you, who not nothing against all of the white men I know, you know, I have brothers, but um, at least in school, in high school, I can just remember a lot of more like the jock types a lot of the time tended to be white men. Not all of them, though, but there just seemed to be a level of respect and politeness in Asian men that I had known to that point. Yeah. That makes oh interesting yeah and I, I maybe just a difference in culture and a difference in way that you're raised I don't know I think that's very true does uh, it seem true or does it seem like a stereotype well and there's two ways of looking at it right you say it with a positive connotation which I, which is great and I appreciate it. you say that you know that Asian men are polite but then there is the stereotype on the flip side that Asian men have been presented in the past especially in media as being submissive mm. so there's like there's that too mm-hmm. right there's that it's like what is the word you choose to use mm. you chose the positive word which I appreciate and it's you know. And I mean, obviously, I try to be a polite person and I know my brother and a lot of other Asians 
that I know, you know, I think maybe culturally we are very polite uh, people. You know, obviously I can't speak for all Asian cultures, but just broadly speaking. But then that does tie into other stereotypes people may have of Asian men being these, you know, weak, totally. submissive men. So again, it depends. It's eye of the beholder. And so I, I can mean, see that I, obviously you came to, into it with a very, with a positive, you know, with a positive outlook. But I can see why other people may not. Well, that's why I'm afraid to even talk about this at all. Because I feel like anytime I'm generalizing or I'm being honest about stereotypes I had, even if they're positive, it's like just walking into a trap. But the thing is, we all have stereotypes. That I mean, you know, we stereotype, we all stereotype to a yeah. degree. I mean, we're just taught that way. You know, just that's just how culture shapes us and the way we look at the world, people, communities, cultures. And it's up to us to identify when we mm-hmm. do and we are stereotyping. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what we that's that is making that conscious choice like you did now to acknowledge, oh, I might be stereotyping. Oh, what I say could be potentially racist. Identifying yeah. that, I think, is is the goal. Borderline so, inappropriate, some might say. It's borderline inappropriate, but it shows, you know, I think a level of it's a level of awareness on your part. So, you know what? You know, you shouldn't feel, you know, yeah. like you're. Being racist. I was thinking like just because I was basing it on my experience with Asian men that I had known and like, but then that's still generalizing. Yeah. Well, and it's also not to say like, I can't say that every single, first of all, it'd be a lie to be like every single Asian man I've ever met in my entire life is more polite and more respectful than um, white men I've known throughout my life, obviously. I mean, I have a friend from high school who's one of the most chaotic creatures, disrespectful, crazy maniacs <laughs> in a loving, very loving way. Oh, yeah. Trust me. I know a lot of Asian men who are fucking whack jobs. <laughs> but he was an outlier. I feel like I knew more white men that were chaotic and insane like him yeah. than I did Asian men. Yeah. And you're speaking from experience. And I think that's, you know. But it's still generalizing. It is generalizing. And, I mean, you could catching general- yourself. Okay. Let me flip it on you. What what generalizations or stereotypes did you have about white women? Well, that's the thing, right? So answering the question of what preconceptions I had about dating white women coming into this, well, coming into those type of relationships when I moved to the U.S., uh, was hugely based off of, you know, the exposure to Western media that we had in Asia because I was watching, I was growing up watching shows like, I don't know, Gossip Girl, you know, and uh, watching all these movies, these Western movies where, you know, white women were, you know, I, I love rom-coms. So you have all these, you know, white women as the rom-com leads. So when I came to the U.S., I think I came in with a very romanticized idea of what dating a white woman could be like because of the exposure I had to Western media and especially, you know, Western teen dramas, Western rom-coms, ro- romantic movies. What does that mean, though? I guess tying back to what I was saying earlier about how when I came to the U.S., it felt very exotic to be dating a white woman. It's because I think white women had seemed like a bit wilder, you know, maybe maybe because just because I'm using the word exotic. Uh, but they, they just seemed like um, based on, I was, again, I was watching teen dramas like Gossip Girl and stuff like that. So I thought, oh, OK, these white women, they, they're fucking, you know, they're nuts. <laughs> that, sounds, that looks fun, you know. Uh, but but I joke, but I mean, to a degree, right? I mean, uh, there was kind of just like this idea of just something different, you know, and mm-hmm. I felt like and I think maybe subconsciously to a degree because I don't, actually, you know, what? I say this now, but I probably wasn't thinking at the time, but maybe subconsciously. But like, you know, obviously white men have more power than white women, but to a degree, white women still hold more power than an Asian woman, for example, sure. or any other. You know, they're still white at the end of the day. Um, sure. And so I thought maybe to a degree as well, like, you know, these white women will have more confidence to do whatever the fuck they want because they're white, you yeah. know? And so I thought, okay, that's, that'll, that's, that'll be new and different, totally. I guess. And the thing is, I can't say that specifically about you and this relationship because, I mean, that's, I like I said, you are the third of three long-term relationships I've since had since moving to the U.S. with white women. 
So those preconceptions of being in an Asian male white female relationship aren't really applicable to you because by that point I'd had experience being mm. in them. So I wasn't really thinking that way. But I think when I first moved to the U.S., that might have been kind of my preconception of what dating a white woman would be like once I get to the U.S., hmm. once I land on these shores. Hmm. Something else that someone was interested online to hear about from us was, you know, what were kind of like uh, cultural differences that you felt we had to overcome or were there any at all? Other than the foot thing. Oh, right. That's that's a that, that's like a, the big one. So that was a big one at the, fir- at the beginning. Yes. Yeah, so. In Asian, well, I can't say in Asian culture in general because I can't, again, I don't want to speak for all of Asia, but I know that growing up in Thailand, being Lao, I think in Southeast Asian culture at least, or at least maybe just those two countries, maybe someone in the comments can correct me, but you don't put your foot above someone else's head. It's and a, I often put my feet up on the back of the couch. Yeah, and that's a, it's a severe sign of disrespect to put a, a, a foot above someone's head. The, high, the foot, the head is the highest, you know, like, not literally just the highest, but also like, you know, in terms of just like respect spiritually, you know, like you're not supposed to touch the head of someone older than you, you oh, know. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, like a parent, you're not supposed to just like touch their head. Wow, and you really? also, yeah. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. It's not like, okay, if this person's like a year older than you, you can't touch their head. I'm talking about like, you know, an okay. elder, like an actual elder. But yeah, uh, conversely though, if the head is the most respected, sacred. sacred, that's a great word. Yes, the most sacred part of the body, then the feet, the feet are the bottom. And so anytime, you know, you, just, you don't want to put your foot above uh, someone else's head. I remember when I was in Thailand, a YouTube was actually blocked for like a few months. Uh, it was very, very stressful for me because I was making YouTube videos as a wow. middle schooler and I couldn't get on YouTube in Thailand. But it was blocked because there was someone who had made a video. It was an anti, because the king in Thailand, it's a monarchy. And so the king in Thailand is revered in particular that king at the time. Uh, was particularly beloved by the people. And someone, I guess, uh, who was not a fan of the king, what they did was they made a YouTube video where in the video, they were just doing animations of like feet above the king's head. Wow. And uh, that caused an outcry. Um, and so obviously, I don't, I don't know, if, I don't think YouTube pulled the video because, you know, it's they're, they're like, okay, well, you know, free, freedom of speech, et cetera. And, and, you know, it's not like it's like mm-hmm. porn or something. But Also because it's an American company. Yes, they don't really care as much. Uh, I don't know how they resolved the issue eventually because then YouTube was uh, unbanned. But anyways, my point is, yeah, that's an example of it, right? I mean, people were so outraged that they banned YouTube in, in the country for months because of this one video. And so that's really just to show how, yeah, it's uh, feet above the head or just touching people with your feet is not really like, a, it's a no-go uh, mm-hmm. in, in at least Thailand and Laos. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, that was, a, that was a cultural difference we had to overcome because Merle likes to, or liked to put her feet up on the couch, which I think is normal in the West. I mean, I put my feet up, but I think it's just more like where you're pointing your feet and how high is it above. Just something I'd head. never thought about, ever yeah. had to worry about or like ever even consider. Yeah, and it's not your fault when it happens, like. How are you? How are you to know? So I think when I did tell you, what? How did you react when I first told you? Do you think I was like being over dramatic or like? It took a while to get used to, to be honest, because I was like, I'm clearly not doing this as a sign of disrespect for you. I'm doing this because this is what's comfortable right now. Mm-hmm. And I would be in the middle of just finding the spot of being comfortable, and you would be sitting on the couch, and you'd be like really upset. Like your reaction to me felt extremely upset because I have none of that cultural. Mm-hmm. I have no understanding of that at all. Going up to that point in my life, it was like feet and head are the same thing. And that's fair. I mean, that's how you were raised. And I get that is the cultural difference. And so I, but it makes more sense when, I mean, just as much as I didn't understand, you didn't understand. So that's kind of where you have to meet in the middle. And I'm like, do I really need to put my feet up on the back of the couch? No, I don't. Seems like way less of a, it feels like way less of a big deal than what you are experiencing. So it's a no brainer. I think, you know, of all cultural differences to overcome, that's not the worst, I guess. No, that was one, and then swearing. I swear. 
I swear, I come from a family where we swear a lot. And I wonder if that's a more of a cultural thing or just like a mirror of my own family thing. I don't know. Do you think a lot of Asian families swear at each other? I think Asians swear, but I guess maybe, the, well, to give context for people, one of the things we've talked about in the past, well, I think this might have been a Patreon exclusive thing we talked about, but we had talked about how I don't like when people swear, well, my partner specifically, they swear directly at me. They say, fuck you or fuck off. It just feels like unnecessary. Whereas uh, for me, it's like growing up, we swore in the household and it wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, it, not like saying like it doesn't matter if you say fuck you, but it's not taken as gravely as you take it. Yeah, and I, I do like wonder to say that's, fuck off. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I, I think it maybe it's just, well, yeah, maybe it's just because I just wasn't used to that. That's probably what it's, I mean, it is a cultural thing. Yeah, I just wasn't used to that. Um, and of course, I fucking swear all the time. Right, which but, is why I was surprised. But I think it's more like in the heat of the moment when you're arguing with someone and you're like, fuck you. It just feels so, I don't know. You're like, oh, fuck off. Yeah, for me, it just feels unnecessary. See, me, sure, it's, I mean, it's definitely unnecessary, but it feels good. Is it healthy? I don't know, but I swear a lot. You swear a lot. It feels good to yeah, swear. Yeah, sure. But I guess, yeah. So I guess my point is, I don't know. I guess it is a culture. So well, that's another one. It's a difference in upbringing, I guess. And then another one is um, transparency. I think we had a cultural difference as far as transparency and mm. communication goes. Oh, absolutely. That that's was a big one. A, that's a very big one. I think that's, and I think that is very cultural, re- culture related. So we've touched upon it in the past, but, you know, our communication styles were very different going into this relationship. And I've said it in the past. Uh, but you know this relationship and therapy have helped me a lot in opening up my communication because previously I would just shut down I'd be quiet I wouldn't really know how to communicate my feelings my stress etc and so that was obviously difficult for Mo who's a very she over communicates and I think it is rooted in a lot of just like culture you know growing up uh, you know while my family and I we were very loving very close uh, you know we weren't ones to really have very deep deep conversations and so I wasn't used to opening up in that way. I think since then, you know, you know, my brother and I have gotten very good at it. You know, we challenge uh, each other with in the sense of like, let's talk about these issues as opposed to when there is a problem, as opposed to, you know, shutting down in the past. And there were periods in the past between my brother and I where if we'd had a disagreement, we wouldn't talk for months because no one really knew how to broach the subject. So now we, we're very good actually now of nipping it in the bud. But it's because growing up, yeah, it's just something that we didn't really do. I'd love to hear from other Asians as well, uh, including those growing up in Asia, if that's true to your experience too. But yeah, I feel like at least growing up, I felt like there weren't as many open lines of communication. When you met my brother for the first time, weren't you shocked when we had some like... That's right. We they were at a we were at a wedding and I met your, your wonderful brother, Dan, great man. And uh, Daniel, a Patreon member. Yes. Bless his heart. We were with your brother at a wedding, uh, Daniel, a wonderful man. And uh, we had gone... To, it was a family wedding. Uh, that was my first time meeting your whole extended family. Uh, and so that was that was fun in and of itself. Anyways, I remember at the wedding, basically, there was a little bit of dr- like an argument between... You can tell the story, I guess. Basically, there's always <laughs> been a rift. There's always been a divide, I should say, between the older cousins and the younger cousins. There's like a 10-year gap. And those cousins, the older ones, always hang out with each other whenever we would go camping growing up. And the younger cousins, which I'm a part of that party... We weren't invited. And now, when I was in my late 20s at the time, I thought to myself, that divide shouldn't be there anymore. And yet, there go my cousins, going into the parking lot, doing like a mini tailgate at the wedding, giving each other nips and shots. And I wasn't invited. I'm like, I'm 28 years old now. I should be invited. That was the problem. (laughs) And my brother is 12 years older than me, so he obviously was invited. And I wasn't. Yes, and, and I, I wasn't invited by him either. And so there was a little bit of a drama unfolding. Uh, Merle was not happy about that, and I was—I won't lie—I was, I won't lie, I was uh, 
I was a little drunk. <laughs> you were extremely <laughs> I, drunk. I was actually extremely drunk, too, because I wanted to keep up with everyone. It was my first time meeting the extended family, and I don't normally drink. I don't drink a lot at all. Yeah. And so that night, you, you know. took, like, three shots in a row yeah. or something. I will say this. I do take advantage of an open bar. Yeah. I don't drink when I go to bars and stuff because they- This one wasn't free. They char- that bar wasn't free? Oh, maybe it was. It was I don't free. remember. Oh, okay. Anyways, whatever. I drank a lot, so I was very drunk. But I do remember we were driving back from the wedding to to, to your mom's. And Merle and her brother were hashing it out. You know, they were you know, having... It was... I wasn't even... It was an, it was no. an argument. It was like a discussion. It was a conversation. It was a conversation. And I remember thinking, and then I said it to them while half drunk, thinking... Oh man, you guys! Have, I, you know, you got. I'm I, I'm so impressed by how you guys are able to communicate. You know, because yeah, it's like it's just like it's not something that came naturally to me, especially at that time, which was since we had just started dating, and so I was still a, a newbie when it came to communication. The conversation was just me saying I wished I had been invited to go out to the tailgate with him, and because him and I are so close, I was hoping he would have extended the invite. But honestly, on his side, he was also feeling cool to be included in the cool kids club, which I understood. But that was the conversation. But he was upset. Yeah, well, we're like best friends, him and I. So I was like, I'm supposed to come too, you know? Oh, so you all, she doesn't want to be left out. She wants to be part of the gang. So what? He apologized. That was actually one of the times I clocked. I thought, oh, wow, this see, this is the benefits of just having communication like that. Because I think had that been my brother and I back in the day, because you know, we're much better at it now. But back in the day, if that had been a situation, like if that, if that exact situation happened, like we wouldn't have talked it out. We probably, at most, may, there may have been some passive aggressive comments being made. <laughs> we would or... have been texting each other from opposite rooms. Remember when you used to text to each other when you were mad? When you oh, lived together? That's true. Yeah. I forgot there was a period which, yeah, we never, thank God. Again, I am so grateful that my brother and I have, have grown leaps a and lot. bounds. I'm very grateful. But yeah, there was a time where when we would be annoyed or frustrated with each other, especially when we were living together, it would just be, we would text as opposed to talking it out. I, I, honestly, even I remember this happening. Me preferring to text as opposed to talking in person was with my ex. When my ex initially brought up the subject of us taking a break, I remember we talked about it briefly and then I left the apartment you know, to take a moment. And I texted her all my feelings wow. about the situation as opposed to just talking to her there. I like went down the hall and I texted her because I couldn't just handle a conversation in yeah. person. So anyways, that, so again, that thing, that whole, like my issues with communication wasn't just like with family. It was just in general. And so I think, and I think culturally that was part of it. You know, I think, yeah, sometimes I think in Asian culture, you try to keep those feelings inside, you know, that's yeah. why, that's why Mulan had to look at the pond to really ponder. Was there any disapproval from either of our families? Probably more on your end than mine. I, but I don't think so either. But I guess you're saying like, would there have been potentially more on mine? Yes, there potentially could have been, but there wasn't. I think by that point, again, I you were the third of three <laughs> of three white women. I, they walked so I could run. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so like by that point, my family were like, oh, this guy just dates white women, <laughs> which is not again not true. I, my just my long term relationships have been with white women. I've dated women of other, many ethnicities. <laughs> Wow, you're <laughs> really I, making a big show. I know of it. when I say it like that, it makes it seem like I really. Do you want a it. pat on the back? <laughs> I'm just making it clear. No, I, if there was any disapproval from any of my family, I mean, I would not assume a would it be. I know it wouldn't be my immediate family because my immediate family they're wonderful. They're wonderful. Mm-hmm. And if there was from anyone else, they didn't say anything to me, and they haven't acted like it. Yeah, you friends? know. So, Did you yeah. have any friends? Because you historically had never dated. Anyone but a white person. I'm for now. It's my turn to get at her. Uh, but it's true. Historically, I was the first person that wasn't white that you've been in a yeah, relationship with. That's true. And so, also the only person that wasn't from Massachusetts that I hadn't dated. That's crazy. Massachusetts is a pretty. I grew up in a very white area. But I guess my point is so. Then I guess outside of your family, did you have friends like from Massachusetts that were like, "Oh, what the fuck is she doing?" <laughs> I don't, I don't think, think they said that. I don't think they even thought that. If anything, they might have been. They might have been 
surprised because again, we grew up in such a little snow globe. I mean, I was born on Cape Cod and then that's a pretty white area. And then I went to high school in Northampton, Mass, a very white area. I'm not saying they're bad areas, Mm -hmm. obviously, but I'm just saying not a lot of diversity. So to some of my friends, I mean, if they, if the only thing I remember the members saying is they thought you looked like a model. And that's, well, that's all I need to know. (laughs) That's all I need to hear. But I don't know. I mean, is that weird? I don't know. No, not, I don't think that's weird at all. No, it's great. I mean, I think for sure we are, obviously, again, there's always room for improvement, but we are living in a time where these things are becoming a little less taboo. Thankfully. Yeah, totally. This were the 60s, different story. Totally. Different story entirely. So there was no real negativity. I feel, honestly, I feel like even in, when we were in videos together and content together for BuzzFeed or the videos we've done on your channel or even for this podcast now, like, I... Have you recalled much negativity no. on a racial sense? Yeah, no, not so much. I've seen overwhelming positivity Which of I love. people Which that are in WM... AMWM. AMWM. <laughs> AMWF. <laughs> AMWM would be Asian male, white male. AM... <laughs> Which I'm fully a- supportive. AMWF. Couples commenting, being like, I'm also in an interracial relationship. My boyfriend is Asian and my girlfriend is white. So I saw a lot of those comments, yeah. and I think a lot of our followers back in the day were people that were like either really excited to see this kind of relationship or were in this kind of relationship themselves, and we're mm-hmm. happy to see the representation. Yeah, and we're so happy and proud to be a you know representation for I guess that community, even though we're not that we're small scale we're representation, small scale but representation, we're out here but, yapping know, away. Here we are, chairman. You know, we're talking about it. We are talking about it, and we're happy to you know wave the flag. I guess, although we aren't a big fan of the acronym. Uh, no, but, I mean, uh, I can't even say the fucking acronym. <laughs> but we are, you know, and I'm very grateful. And if you are watching or listening right now and you're in an AMWF relationship. It sounds like a radio station. It, yeah, it just doesn't, doesn't have a good ring to it in general. But whatever. If you are, you know, in a similar relationship or even if you're just in an interracial relationship of any kind, would love to hear your thoughts, your experiences. Your yeah, your answers to the questions we just answered, you know, like what are cultural differences you had to overcome? Any negativity you had to face? You know, preconceptions you had about dating this other person because of their race, you know? And again, this is applicable to anyone in an interracial relationship. I would love to hear about it. If you're like a black woman dating a white man, you know, I'd love what to about hear about a, What about like someone who's black dating someone who's Asian? What if there's not a white that. person in the mix? Yeah. I feel like we've been talking a lot about white people dating people of color, but also other cultures interdating. That's a very good point too. Yeah, that'd be really, I would love to hear that, you know, because I'm sure again, the cultural differences there are stuff that we wouldn't be familiar with at all. Yeah. And so, you know, let's use this space, this uh, the comment section, DM us. Yeah, we'd love to hear your, your thoughts and experiences because, as always, here on Borderline Inappropriate, we like to have uh, these type of conversations, and the conversation doesn't end here mm-hmm. on the podcast, but it's with all of you, mm-hmm. all of you listening right now. We're yeah. all here together. This was uh, nerve-wracking a little bit for a little while. For a little about while. The gener- talking about you asking me about preconceived notions. But I think you handled it very well, and I think, I mean, like, it's, when you talk about race in any way, you're always going to, f- especially, and probably rightly so, as a white person, you should feel a little, like, discomfort. But I felt like you handled it in a way that was... Just being honest. Yeah, that's all you can do. Yeah, and also, I think it's important to have those conversations because instead of instead of pretending like, oh, rose-tinted glasses, I don't see color, I don't see race, it's like, yeah, you do. As always, everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode of Borderline Inappropriate. We uh, tackled another taboo topic today, had another fun chat, and hopefully an enlightening one, and we'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic, on this conversation, as always. Please make sure to leave a like, a comment, a review. goes such a long way. It does. Uh, check out the Patreon if you haven't already. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you yeah, haven't. Music. And uh, think about your sins. Oh. Think <laughs> on your sins, people. I with do that, that every day. With that, we bid you adieu. Goodbye. Goodbye. Potentially forever. Happy holidays.
holidays. Happy holidays. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>